Sure. I'll talk it out. Yeah. Let's just have a conversation. Track three. <clears throat> Better not be fucking Dave Matthews band. Okay. Those of you who don't want to be a part of this can leave now. Derek, please listen to me. But if you choose to stay, which it seems like you guys are choosing. Derek, please. You understand and agree to the following terms and conditions. Derek! One. Derek, this is the virus. You talking. hereby waive your right Derek, please. to your own personal bodily integrity. This is not you. Two. Per the state versus Neville Reed, my colleague and I will not be held criminally liable for any felony or misdemeanor that you may be a victim of, including, but not limited to, aggravated assault, aggravated battery, disorderly conduct, destruction of property, mayhem, and first-degree murder. And three, terms and conditions may change or be updated Whatever the fuck I want! Consider yourselves notified. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancypants. What was that rocket? What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? DJ Anubis. And DJ Neko. With you on the Middle Time Rehab Podcast, The Hordes of Chaos, episode 172. And uh, we got a good show for you today. Yeah. Some controversial things going on in the government in America, but also got some uh, other things to talk about regarding metal music as well as uh, movies. We didn't get to an actual retro DVD this week, but we sort of did. Plus, we're going to combine that with the recent uh, viewing of Jurassic uh, World Dominion, which we didn't do a video for, but we're just going to add it into the podcast this week, and we'll take care of that from there. I do have an unboxing to do, which Neko and I will do probably in the coming days. Yeah, we might do it tomorrow, um, and 
put that up on the YouTube channel. So make sure you're subscribing to the YouTube channel. It's youtube.com and you want to look for DJ Anubis Metal Tavern Radio. Is that correct? Yeah, but I think it's under my name. It might be DJ Anubis 88 or something like that. No, when I looked at it this morning, it was DJ Anubis Metal Tavern Radio. Okay. So hold on. I'll, I'll give you the exact... Um, and also, don't forget, we have our first affiliate, which is Java Burn. And if you're interested, I'm still waiting for mine to come in. But right now, it's $49 for a monthly supply. And you can get that at tinyurl.com slash metal tavern coffee. Um, basically, it's an additive to your coffee that's supposed to help boost your metabolism and give you, like, vitamins, give you kind of like a healthy dose to give you some energy. I, um, I'm actually very excited to try it because, you know, I'm a woman and we're always trying to, you know, lose weight and stuff. But so DJ Anubis on, on the, um, YouTube is DJ Anubis Metal Tavern Radio. That's like the full, um, name of the page. But if you just Google or if you just search DJ Anubis, it'll come up. It's like the second one that I see on mine. Yeah. And we've got three videos we did this week. We did a reaction trailer action for This Is War that will be appearing on Shutter t uh, TV at some point later this month, or July, excuse me. Uh, we did a nice little uh, discussion on the Depp versus Heard, which today uh, the lawyers for both Heard and Depp went in to finalize their judgment uh, in the courthouse today. Uh, neither of them could come to a settlement or even was looking oh, for a no. settlement. So, but the judge was not playing around again. Elaine, the lawyer for Amber Heard, was trying to finagle some ways that where Amber wouldn't have to pay the bond in order to do the appeal, but the judge was not having it. She's like, you want to appeal, you're going to need this bond, which is $8.3 or something, uh, plus interest, because it's going to take a couple years. Uh, so, so wait a minute, she's going to have to pay whatever hers is plus interest because she's going to have to do payments? Right, well the problem is with appeals is it's an uphill battle plus um, because she owes Johnny $10 million or whatever it is uh, they say that in order to appeal you have to actually have the money up front in like holding. Oh, I didn't so know in that. Yeah, so in case she loses she has to pay him that money. Uh, now, she may win and not have to pay any of it, but it's it's just sort of like having a placeholder. Uh, they're not going to let you appeal it unless you have the money to back that up. Likewise, Johnny owes her $2 million. Now, he can either appeal it and then put $2 million on his own pot to sit there until the judgment is final on that, but he may just say, fuck it, I want to be done with her, give her the $2 million, be done with it. Uh, but from everything we've kind of heard, they Amber plans on appealing that so we'll see if she can of course come she does because that's a big that is a large amount of money even if you're you know a celebrity well the thing is though she dug her own hole so I, I don't feel sorry for it all i mean is she trying to get an appeal or a retrial like is it is it well she's appealing the verdict so i don't know where it goes from there if she wins like i don't know if, to, if it's just a matter of no i don't want to pay him or uh, am I trying to get a new trial? Like, I don't know how that works. Because she was complaining for the longest time that it, she didn't feel like she got a fair trial. Like Right, but there's really no... Like, she, when she goes to appeal, they're going to, like, look at that stuff. And they're going to say... Either they're going to say, okay, yeah, you didn't get a fair trial. They're going to say you're full of shit and you've had to just deal with it. So, I mean, obviously, you could tie this stuff, stuff up for years by appealing all the mm -hmm. time, but... 
the reality is it also costs money to do so. So, you know, I think at one point Depp was kind of torn with that. He's like, look, you drop the appeal, I'm a, I won't let you pay anything. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Amber is doubling down like she's been doing and talking shit through the media like she's been doing. Coming from the woman who wants Depp to leave her alone, this is what she's been doing, mm-hmm. of course. So you kind of have to, if you're going to live by the sword, die by the sword type thing. So, But we did a nice discussion on that, breaking down the evidence against her and what happened in the trial. Uh, we also did a nice Q&A with Eric, the Asian movie enthusiast. Uh, very cool guy. We love Eric. He has so much knowledge he remembers things and and movies he's watched tons of movies he knows the actors the actresses the directors me i'm like oh yeah uh i watched the movie last week and i can't tell you one person who's in it and it always kind of it it kind of like blows me away when people are like oh yeah um this was directed by so-and-so and this actress was in it and it was their breakthrough role and i'm like i don't remember this just in general like for but he has this i he told me he told us during our interview he keeps a spreadsheet because he's he's so into the minutia and the details of every single one of these movies that he wants to make sure that he documents like everything about them and i think that's really awesome um i i had asked him some questions about southeast asia like especially filipino because they're really not known uh for their horror and that's what eric really likes to watch are their horror filipino movies are more for the rom-coms and like cutesy fun poppy stuff but he gave us a couple that I wrote down that are Filipino horror movies. So check out that interview and you can get some suggestions from him too on some awesome horror movies in the Asian persuasion. Yeah, so uh, thanks to him for taking the time out for that. Uh, let's get into our first block of music though, all coming from some of the promotional sites uh, like Against PR and Infecting Cells. Uh, much appreciated for the music you guys send us. Uh, here's Moonshade, Blood of the Titans.
Introducing the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast, available today on your favorite podcast platform. Metal Tavern is a heavy metal, rock music, and movie podcast where they discuss movies, music, current events, and feature live interviews with bands, artists, and YouTube personalities. They spotlight independent labels and feature the underground bands the label represents. Again, that's the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Stream it today on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podbean, YouTube, and at the website MetalTavernRadio.com. Many episodes up for you to listen to already, and make sure you subscribe to be notified of future releases. That's the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Go listen, download, and subscribe today. You can also connect on Facebook, search Metal Tavern Radio, and follow the guys on Twitter at DJ Anubis88 and DJ underscore Nico Caffrey. Right. We're back. We're back. So that was our first block of music. Who did we just hear? That was... Who was that? I have to go back up now. Oh, no! Horror Within. Provided by Against PR. I think it was called The Death Veil. So. Very nice. I love that we're getting so many of our promotional sites sending us some good stuff. I'd yeah, like there's, I'm still so backed up with them. I'm trying to get them all in here, but between them and all the other new music I get, it's like a bitch, but eventually I'll get a in. I will. He really will, and sometimes, remember, um, you had that one, I forgot what band it was, and it's killing me, but you ended up like loving the album, and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe I had this, you know save for so many months and then I heard it because you were just so backed up and yeah so keep sending us stuff we will listen to it and yeah I mean it's not I mean look sometimes I get bands and you know whether it's rock or metal that I feel like doesn't really fit the format or isn't going to stand out it's not really a slight to the bands I mean I'm not trying to be disrespectful I think I appreciate anybody who does the music but like at the same time I had to think about the people that are our listeners and what they're going to be into and how they're going to respond so even when like i said when we do your picks a week like this week her pick of the week is going to be very interesting because it's not necessarily super rock but it does have some rock vibe so again it's one of those controversial type of artists that uh you know you're used to with neko so uh i am a very controversial person uh but i can appreciate the artist that she chose just mainly from both a lyrical and uh, I do enjoy some of the other songs from this particular. The song that she had isn't that bad. It's just I prefer other songs. But I think too. That's usually how it goes. <laughs> what What happens with me is, I um, will watch something or I'll, because when I get into my Jeep, I turn I, before I do listen to a lot of podcasts and just like some of my my own audio ninety percent of the time. But when you first turn on the radio. I have it set to the classic rock station, and if it's something good, I'll just kind of let it go. And that's sometimes what triggers my mind to say, okay, let's check something out. And that's kind of what made me think more about New Wave, and we had a couple of New Wave picks of the week because the classic rock station was recognizing New Wave. They were giving them an hour, you know, I think it was Sundays for an hour. It was nothing but New Wave. Even though it's not like, err, and you know, hard and these great, it was it was something in the history of rock that you have to appreciate because it did structure the future. I mean, 
think of how big New Wave was in the 80s. Well, not just that, but, you know, because you've had quite a few 90s picks, too. And mm-hmm. that's the thing. The alternative grunge era, like, really opened the door to a lot of... And really, as we discussed before, you have bands like Faith No More that kind of, like, dabbled in everything. So... You know, some of these other bands open these doors for the grunge era. Like, Nirvana, when I first heard Smells Like Teen Spirit, I bought Nevermind thinking the whole album was kind of like that that song. But there, it's really diverse record. You've got a little bit of punk in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got, like, the acoustic stuff at the end. Uh, Come As You Are is more of, like, a, it's not as heavy as, like, Smells Like Teen Spirit. So there's all this different stuff going on. So... The alternative and grunge era opened the door to a lot of different stuff, which led to stuff like Sarah McLachlan or even your pick this week is going to be along that same line. So a lot of different stuff going on there with that. But our topic uh, currently is about what's going on in the American government. We couldn't not speak on this because... It's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. It's it's a big deal on so many, um, so many different ends of the spectrums basically um in 1973 roe versus wade became a supreme court decision and now in 2022 roe versus wade has been overturned now from what i'm understanding i i'm trying to there was okay let me get my thoughts concise there was a Mississippi case that sparked the legality of Roe versus Wade, basically saying there's no reason that Roe, Roe versus Wade should have even gone to the Supreme Court because it's not a constitutional right. It's not. Now, granted, if they wanted to in the last 50 years, they could have made it a constitutional right. They could have written it into be an amendment to the Constitution, but they didn't. They just left it as a Supreme Court decision. In the last year, there was a trial in Mississippi regarding abortion, and that's what kind of sparked this whole, I think it was maybe two years ago, that sparked this whole, is Roe v. Wade really something that should have went to the Supreme Court? Now, I, for me, I completely disagree with it on every moral standard because it's my own morality. However, I understand... You disagree with them overturning it. Yeah, I disagree with them overturning it just on my own morals. Like, I I, I don't want people, you know, giving me directions on my body. I don't want, you know, I don't want to think of young women who have to make difficult decisions having to you know, turn to back alley abortions again, because that's what was happening. Now, what the Supreme Court is basically saying now isn't that it's illegal. They're like, it's not illegal, but we're putting the decision back in the state's hands. And the states get to make these decisions. We are very fortunate to live in a liberal state. I never say this, but (laughs) Maryland is a very liberal state. And I'm happy it's a liberal state because we also were kind of one of the first to accept gay marriage. We are, we went in 73, Maryland also put a law, you know, abortion is legal kind of thing. We are good. 
However, in Maryland, because we are super liberal, they're really liberal on the taxes, which I'm not a fan of. I'm, I'm a, I am a libertarian. I am like very socially accepting. I'm very socially liberal, but I am a fiscal conservative, so I'm not real big on the taxes, you know. Anyway. Taxes suck ass. Yeah, tax, taxation is theft. Anyway, I, um, what I really found interesting today, because this came out, I think, this morning about 10, and I did not know that so many people that I was friends with or I was close to had to either have abortions or be with somebody and because these are not things even though this is 2022 it's still a little taboo to just like come out and be like i had an abortion high well, five well you've talked about it before when it comes to us not having kids is that people judge you one way or the other so to be someone who would have an abortion means you're just asking for glutton for punishment exactly you're getting media. judged by everyone so when this came out these are people that I went to high school with friends of my close friends of mine that I know that let me, let me ask you this real quick because uh, obviously I'm on the Broncos board there's a lot of conservative people on there um, one they're arguing that the change that's happening isn't as gruesome as uh, the left is making it sound like now before you answer let me finish uh the other thing that was brought up was, and I'll let you answer this after this, uh, this person stated that, you know, it's not as bad as the left is making it out to be, but plus, why is it so bad that we're going to force people to finally actually take contraceptives uh, seriously, like the pill or the condoms or this and that? Like, why aren't we trying to reinforce that versus... Because what's happening with that not in our state but in other states they're going a step further already like mississippi's got the pen on fire right now they've got it their trigger is ready the, the supreme court basically has said we want the constituents to vote and we want you know this the governing bodies of each state to be the ones to make the decisions on how abortions are handled they are not illegal but each state has the right to make these decisions mainly and this is where I'm kind of like divided being a libertarian I understand where these Supreme Court justices are coming from because yes it should not have ever been listened or accepted as a Supreme Court case however it's been 50 years and this is a very div div divisive div divisive like it's it's it hits everyone even if you are a man it's it's a hard thing to to talk about and everybody is very emotional about it and it, it just it's like oh this sparks so many emotions in everyone um wow. with, the, the, with the birth control sorry these very conservative states are taking it a step further saying now in maryland we we kind of recognize the third trimester as a living baby and it's because most babies that are born prematurely in their third trimester will survive and our friend Courtney 
her first child was born very early. He was in the NICU and he's thriving now and he's in middle school. That's why it's like the third trimester is kind of like, oh, if you're having a baby or if you're having an abortion in the third trimester, it means there's a real problem. Like the baby is sick. The mother is sick. We are, it's on a case by case kind of thing. But the first two trimesters before the baby is, is considered a baby here in Maryland, it's not an issue. If you go you to, eat. hold on, if you go to Mississippi, they believe it's a baby the minute the sperm hits the egg. So when the sperm hits the egg, if you, um, if you have an abortion and you're six weeks pregnant, even though the baby is the size of like, you know, a sunflower seed, they, they consider that murder, they consider that bad. However, um, they're starting to get to the point where they don't want to, um, anything that can pre precedent, I think I'm saying the, the wrong word. Um, if there's precedence for something. No, no, no. Like pre, pre-pregnancy. So they're even talking about now, this is to your birth control thing, limiting birth control to a point where if you go and get plan B, which if you have a condom break or you have unprotected sex and you take plan B up to 48 hours after, you know, having unprotected sex, you have like a 70% chance less of, of conceiving. That's not going to happen in those states. Certain birth control methods like the IUD, which is an implant inside your uterus, which prevents pregnancy from even happening, that's going to be off the table too. Can I interject one second? Sure. So, but do you think that part of it is more just overreaction? Or do you think this is something that these conservative states will actually get away with doing? They've already like started drafting. Yeah, but they haven't passed, right? They're just I, I'm, It's too early. Today, it just... But they have said, this is what we're going after. All right, well, I've got some other things here real quick. Sure. I'm, I'm basically going to do the question and answer with you because you're a little bit more versed in this stuff than I am. Uh, I've never really... And I have... Well, I, don't, I can't say I have a uterus because I don't because I had a, a hysterectomy, but I have a vagina, so... Uh, there's a, a map here uh, after this is gone. It's on Politico. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's got highlights, of course, different colors of what's going on. So you have legal, illegal for now, potentially illegal, soon to be illegal, and legal or banned. So right now, the, the banned states, no shocker here, South Dakota, Oklahoma, Texas, um, Louisiana, and Kentucky. Those are the ones that are where it's totally banned and illegal. So that's what they're going after. Right now. I'm surprised not Mississippi, because Mississippi's the one who, the case is what's well, spurred all of this. Soon to be illegal, Mississippi's in there, mm -hmm. Tennessee, mm -hmm. Arkansas, mm -hmm. Missouri, mm -hmm. North Dakota, and this is where it's going to get funny, Wyoming, Idaho, and Utah. Highly religious states. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, there's some other ones that are potentially you know legal for now, so they think down the road they could change or not change but there's a lot of them right now that are legal that they don't show any signs of overturning maryland being one of those well Mar again we the governor 
came out today and said Maryland has a law that was written in 1973 that allows for legal safe abortions. But my question to you here is, so, okay, let's say you're a resident of Texas mm -hmm. and uh, you get pregnant. Will this stop you from going to another state and getting an abortion? It wouldn't, honestly. Um, but then this is another thing because we're going interstate. When you go state by state and one state's law is different than another state's law, this happens a lot in Maryland with um, Maryland, D.C. and Virginia because we, we're so close, especially on the Capitol Beltway. Like you're literally you're on the Beltway and you hit Maryland, D.C. and Virginia all at the same time. All have different laws regarding um, guns. So if you have an open, if you, Virginia is technically open carry, mm -hmm. Maryland is not open carry, but you're allowed to um, carry. And if you have a concealed carry permit, DC, there's no guns allowed. If you are driving and you're like, I'm driving towards Virginia where I'm going to go hunting and I have my stuff, you could get in a lot of trouble if you're in an, a part of the beltway that is not. So this kind of hits the, and, Again, stuff that goes to the Supreme Courts, it involves interstate conflict. So let's say everybody from Texas who wants an abortion starts going to Maryland. Like it's there's like an underground railroad. Wow, they just have to go to New Mexico there. Or or whatever. <laughs> right. But there's like an underground railroad to New Mexico. Right. It would become New Mexico versus Texas. And then that would be a new thing. That's what the Supreme Court sits on. If there's a, two states that are about to go to war with each other over some war in quotations, that's what the Supreme Court sits on. But if it's all decided by states, why would even Texas worry so much about what New Mexico is Because doing? you're breaking the law. But not that state law. Not in that state. Oh, you're so still, you're, you're saying they're talking about the people from Texas going over or breaking the law. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like the cannabis thing, too, because, like, here in Maryland, you're allowed, if you have a cannabis card, to smoke cannabis. Right. Smoking the weed, smoking the reefer, but people still obtain it illegally. Mm -hmm. And if you go to Colorado... You can just walk into a cannabis store because it's legal. It is not legal on the federal level, and it's not legal in all states. But if I had this argument to in 2001 when I went to Amsterdam, I said, what if I go to a coffee shop and imbibe, but then I need to take a drug test? If I fail the drug test, I'm still failing the drug test in my state. It gets really, really uh, sticky when you're going across state lines to do something that's illegal in your state. That's where the states are going to cl clash. The states are going to start. Yeah, I had one issue here with one of these uh Paragraphs. It says the 13 states with trigger laws also have different exceptions to their near total bans. While they all allow abortions to save the life of a pregnant person, only five include exceptions for rape and incest. I hate that. 
I hate that too. For me, to me, I, you should not be forced to have a kid through a rape or any kind of incestuous relationship. Well, look at like what we were watching that documentary on that religious cult that they just they're underage, being raped. And possibly incestuous because it's a very small community. Oh, yeah. That's what the guy was doing, was trying to force same-sex... Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Same, like, keep the family close. Mm -hmm. I'm going to share some... I'm not going to share any names because I'm, I am not going to take their privacy away, but they did share it on Facebook today. I had um, a couple of friends talk about pregnancies they had to terminate, and they weren't easy decisions at all um and the one woman is a phenomenal mother she took care of her husband while he was going through cancer treatment she's got a son in, in uh college she she's just a nice wonderful person i i've known her for a long time um i don't get to see her much but i do see her occasionally and i didn't even know about this until she shared it today and it was because she, what the decision kind of like made her want to share her story. She um, had been pregnant after her son and um, they had the genetic testing done. And basically what they said was the baby she was carrying had spinal bifida and it was so bad that the spine and the head were pretty much detached and she could carry it to term the baby may live a couple of years but would be quadriplegic That's on yeah on oxygen on feeding tubes and, and that's the other thing you have to think about quality of life like well it she was that's what she said she said i had to make the hardest decision of my life because I'm I was already a mother and I'm already loving my son but I have another son growing inside of me and it's like the son you're growing right now is probably going to die at age three and the first three years of his life he won't even be able to walk talk speak and you'll be dealing mounds of fucking bills no not even the bills just how like the it would stress, be it would be like a, a lump laying in bed that you are just keeping alive until it expires and she made the decision to have an abortion and she said i it, it, this was close to my third trimester so it's kind of on that that edge and she was like i i didn't do it because i'm a hateful person i did it because all i would do is become be the best mother I could to this child that literally has maybe three years to live. Um, another friend of mine, one of my closest friends, was telling me about her story that she had to help someone go and get an abortion. And this person was engaged and did not want to have a baby with her fian then fiance because she kind of feared for her life for, from this guy. Even though she already had children with this guy, it was not going well. 
she was being abused. It was not a good thing. However, there was nothing wrong with the baby. So like in the eyes of everyone else, it would be like, why would you give up such a beautiful baby? Blah, blah, blah. She was pregnant again. She felt like she was trapped. And my best friend helped her find a place to go to get an abortion and helped her, you know, financially and helped her mentally, spiritually, emotionally to go through that because she already was a mother and she already had kids with this horrible guy. Now, fast forward here, 2022, she, this, uh, this woman is thriving. She got rid of the dead weight, but she already has two kids with this dead weight and she was already scared to have a third kid. Granted, it wasn't like my other friend who was going through, you know, it's a medical thing. She was going through like, I don't want to be with this man anymore. And my best friend helped her out of this really bad situation to get her away from this man and terminate the pregnancy. I, um, so for me as a woman, I hate hearing this. I do. I, I hate thinking that like there are children who are growing up and they're going to be put in a tough spot, not either for, you know, moral reasons or medical reasons. And they're not going to be able to just say, that's it. I'm going to have an abortion. It'll be best for everyone. You can't do that now in some states. And that upsets me. But me, the libertarian, and I'm not, I'm not saying I agree. I'm just saying I understand. I understand how all of this happened. And because of the way our government runs, I understand where they, they pulled together. And it was a very close, it was like five to four or something. Um, the, the Republicans were very um, strict constructionalists. They were like, listen, this, there's nothing in our Constitution that says that we need this to be a right. If there was, one of our presidents in the last 50 years could have put it as a right, but none of them did. That is the biggest asterisk you can put next to this. No president ever has thought to say, this is a right like we have our gun rights, nobody has ever said, hey, let's write another amendment and say this is a right. So I think a lot of people's uh, opinions are they're scared about the, uh, the snowball effect. They're like, okay, maybe not in my state. And again, not in Maryland, please knock on wood, not, not in Maryland, but other states, it's going to get like, they're going to start going after your birth control. And then maybe they'll start going after me, uh, other break things. In here. Sure. Because uh, I've got a lengthy thing here. And this is one thing I know from conservatives. This is one of their biggest talking points okay, go ahead. when it comes to not having abortions. Now, quick backstory: When I was about 18, I dated a young girl, 17 or 16 at the time. Uh, I took it upon myself to put her on birth control because I did not want kids. So... Planned Parenthood was a good thing for me back then. It's the late 80s. 
So, uh, but over the years, you know, I can't say how good or bad Planned Parenthood is. Planned Parenthood is. is still nonprofit. It is not run by the government. Please understand that. Planned okay. Parenthood is not run by the government. Now, here's the thing. This uh, is coming from abort73.com. I don't know if it's affiliated with conservatives, so people may say uh, they're just talking out their ass, but it doesn't seem like it, but we'll see. Uh, I'll get like uh opinion on this after I've read it. Planned Parenthood once had a page on its website titled Five Ways to Prevent Abortion and One Way That Won't Work. According to that list, the best way to prevent abortion is to make contraceptive more easily available. That may seem a reasonable suggestion, but remember who's making it. Planned Parenthood performed 354,871 abortions in 2019. A first trimester surgical abortion cost up to $1,500. Second trimester abortions cost even more. The average cost of a medical abortion is $504. If we assume an overall average cost of $1,000 per abortion, that means Planned Parenthood made roughly $350 million in abortion revenue in 2019, and that does not include the $510 million they received in private donations, much of which is ideologically tied to abortion. Planned Parenthood likes to claim that abortion only represents 3% of its operations, but this is a numeric sleight of hand. According to their own published figures, 15% of their clients have an abortion. And abortion accounts for at least a third of their health center income. More to the point, of the pregnant women who come to Planned Parenthood for counseling, more than 97% have had abortions. No more than 0.7% are referred for adoption. In light of these numbers, isn't it remarkable that Planned Parenthood thought itself credible enough to publish such a list in the first place? Abby Johnson, who spent eight years working for Planned Parenthood, she began an idealistic college student as an idealistic college student who honestly believed they were helping reduce the overall frequency of abortion. She resigned as a jaded clinic director, weary of increasing corporate pressure to get her an abortion revenue up. In her own words, I was told pointedly, Nonprofit is a tax status, not a business status. I was in order to get my priorities straight, which meant I had to get my revenue up. As the meeting continued, I sat there stunned. When I looked at the numbers, I did a double take. I noticed that the client goals related to family planning hadn't changed much, but the client goals under abortion services had increased significantly. I came away from that meeting with the clear and distinct understanding that I was to get my priorities straight, that abortion was where my priorities needed to be because that was where the revenue was. Your take. I understand this. Like that's what that's what they do to nonprofits because nonprofits are constantly trying to raise money because they have to pay their people. And I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm just saying I understand that the uh, like president of Planned Parenthood would do this. Most people, though, they. But isn't it weird? But isn't it where they wouldn't? try to push for adoptions? No. Because every state has different rules for adoptions. That's kind of the other side of the pancake where with abortion um, it was a federal mandate kind of thing. But every state has a different like rule with adoptions. So Planned Parenthood everybody kind of associates with abortion. And that's why they handle most of the abortions. Sometimes you will go to your doctor for an abortion and they'll be like, I don't handle them. 
I'll refer you to Planned Parenthood. And that is, and I'm, I'm just saying this because, oh, shoot. Sorry, I almost knocked over my, my drink. Um, that Planned Parenthood equals abortion. That is how the media has done it. And it has become that way over the last 50 years because that is the agenda that has been pushed. So I feel for this girl and I, if it, I believe it. I believe that's what the Planned Parenthood um, management has done because they're a nonprofit. They're not making any money really. They're getting donations and they're getting um, some government grants. They're not really getting profits. So her boss is like, we have to, you know, push the abortions because that's what everybody is saying. Planned Parenthood equals abortion. Planned Parenthood equals abortion. Am I saying that's right? No, I'm not. I'm just saying I, I understand and I understand how upset she is. It's, it's crazy because even today when people can come out as questioning, non-binary, gay, lesbian, abortion is still like the devil. You know what I mean? Hmm. And that's why they're kind of like lumping Planned Parenthood into this like abortion, um, I don't know, machine. They're like, you go to Planned Parenthood, you're going to get an abortion. You're going to Planned Parenthood. There's a Planned Parenthood less than a mile from here. I don't know if you know that, but it's, it's over past Hard Yacht Cafe in this tiny, tiny, tiny little place. And that's back in the day when I was in high school where we all went to get our birth control pills because you don't want to get abortions. No, no, our birth control pills. Because right. we don't want to go to mommy and daddy and be like we need Right. And that's one reason why we liked it back when I was younger because you know, you don't want to go have to talk to your parents about because you know, your parents are always gonna say, I don't want you having sex but mm -hmm. the reality is you're gonna have sex. It's just how it goes. So yeah, uh, at this point, all they're giving us is the option for these super conservative states is is a condom. Right. I, we've used condoms. We've been together for twenty years. We've used condoms. I was on birth control. We've we've done everything. I was even on that really crazy ring thing that is supposed to. Um, replace an IUD but then I stopped using it because there was a bunch of people a bunch of women who were dying from blood clots and stuff so I stopped using it there are lots of options out there but maybe not anymore you know that that's the kind of thing that makes me scared with this I I don't trust the government with anything don't put my name on this. <laughs> so to trust the government with making decisions like this, God, it hurts. It really hurts. You know, you're well, well, you're telling the govern you're telling me that the government is gonna be like, oh, it's gonna be fine, no big deal. We'll let who we'll let the states decide, and then the states decide something bad. Well, yeah, I mean. Uh, but again, like, now granted, it took 
50 years for this to actually get overturned now. Uh, but I think that our government has shown that it goes in cycles. It really does. So I don't know when it will get turned over again, but I have a feeling that it just... I, I don't think it's going to get turned over again because what they've done with this ruling has cemented that abortion is not a federal decision. So, so it's, it's all state. It's only a state decision. Okay. So Unless basically... the president and Congress and Senate, they are like, okay... The next amendment to our Constitution is all women have the right to a safe and legal abortion. It's going to be on a state-by-state -state basis. That's why when I try to explain to some of our friends who are not from the U.S. and they're like, America is more concerned with guns versus like women's health and babies. And I'm like... The problem with that statement is, yes, technically it's true because we have the Second Amendment. And that's the Second Amendment. that, Like, it's up there. Right. Which, which gives you the right to, to bear arms. And we've had that since, I don't, I don't even know when the Second Amendment came in, like 17-something. When that was written, we had, they, they, visualized it. They're like, we are not being taken over, we're not being imperialized, blah, 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 blah. In 1973, though, they just went off of the Supreme Court ruling. Now, this is only, I think, the second time that the Supreme Court's ruling has been overturned, so it's kind of a big deal. And it's hard, again, when, when I explain to some of our foreign friends, like, how things work in the U.S. A lot of things are done on the state level and every state is a little bit different. For example, death with dignity, mm -hmm. assisted suicide. Right. You know, that's another thing that people follow as a slippery slope. The idea in certain states is if you have a... Um, a condition that is so terminal that you're allowed to say, listen, as long as I am coherent, I will make the decision, you know, stage four cancer. Um, you're, I'm trying to think of some other things, Parkinson's disease, um, Lou Gehrig's disease. Like you get to a point where you're like, I am able to make the decision still with a clear mind. I would like assisted suicide. Well, this is the other end. You know, we have the babies. Now we're at the end of our life. So everybody wants to talk about the babies and we need to protect the babies. But what about the old people or the sick people too? That is a state-by-state state legislation. I think the closest state, I think Washington, D.C. has it and I think Connecticut has it. I believe in death, death with dignity. But some people's response to that is okay death with dignity you are stage four cancer you have parkinson's you have alzheimer's whatever what if somebody who has terrible depression comes to you and says i have lived my entire life living on a razor's edge i am ready to die slippery so exactly so 
all of this, I, I'm talking a lot. You need to pipe in on me. No, I mean, like I said, I'm not. I've always known about Roe versus Wade. I know about abortion. I'm a pro-choice person. Uh, I can't really speak to as like it's this this whole overturn is still in its infancy so we don't know everything that's going to come we don't know what states are going to do what but uh that's why i left it more to you because it is it is more of a a woman's issue than man as a former uterus holder (laughs) (laughs) one thing that's actually kind of interesting to me is um i'm losing my train of thought you as you were talking about adoption a lot of these people who are um very pro-life they're like you need to have the babies i don't care if you're super poor and you can't afford it and you're having a baby that you can't take care of adopt here in maryland and, and adoption is also a state by state thing here in maryland um and i when i found out that i was no longer able to have children i did a lot of research on this because i wanted all of my options because maybe we could adopt who knows i looked into this the state of maryland likes to keep the child with their biological family as much as possible unless there is a predetermined court decision and legal ramification ratification and um ramifications so if there let's just say there is a adorable child that you and i want to adopt and they're in the foster system and i'm like sweet we have a great kid five years old we have a we have a spare bedroom let's get this kid in here we get the kid in here and both of the parents are locked up or have problems. They, if, if the state of Maryland is still in contact with both of the parents, unless the parents give up their parental rights outright, they can come back later. They can come back and take the kid. So we could foster a kid for five years as their parents are in jail or dealing with their own issues. And then that kid will be taken from us and go back to whatever hell yeah, that they're dealing with. That's a that's a flaw in the system there. That should not happen for anybody. I mean, if you're willing to take a kid in and then you know you're you're parenting them for 13, 14 years, mm-hmm. all of a sudden these other two people come back in their life. Like, I get it that let's. You know, let's say it's just a mother, and she was in an abusive relationship or was on drugs. Now she's coming back. She's clean. I can understand maybe giving her visiting rights, um, but I think the people that took that kid in and raised them for those many years or whatever need to be, like, the sole family for that kid. Like, it's like, okay, uh, your mother's better. She's better in health and everything, but we're still your parents, but we're going to allow your mother to be a part of your and you life. Wanna ha- I mean, I understand having a biological relationship. It's important. Mm-hmm. But if it's a dangerous relationship where there's drugs and violence, and so that's why, for me, when you're like, oh, there's going to be adoption, there's going to be more adoption, Okay, have a bunch of babies that nobody wants and find out where they go. Let's, let's well, just... Well, especially, especially now, like, we... 
not so much us in particular, but as a society, we've talked about how women are becoming more career driven. They're not as eager to have kids. Like, uh, there's you know, marriage. Or they're waiting big... until like their late thirties right. to have kids. So you know, you don't want this influx of kids out there that no one's gonna take. So that's another problem that no one's really uh, talking about. So. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, and we'll see how it plays out. We'll probably end up talking about it more down the road, but let's get back into our music. Non-abortion music. <laughs> or wait, do we have aborted? No, I was going to say, yeah, aborted might be in there. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so we've got some Berater, Neolithic, Inquisition, Excruciate 666, Adorior coming up. Here's some brand new severe torture, though, Entangled in Hate.
ephemeral generations of man are born and pass away in quick succession. Individual men, burdened with fear, want and sorrow, dance into the arms of death. As they do so, they never weary of asking what it is that ails them and what the whole tragic comedy is supposed to mean. They call on heaven for an answer, but heaven stays silent. Instead of a voice from heaven, there come along priests with revelations. But he is still in his childhood who can think that superhuman beings have ever given our race information about the aim of its existence or that of the world.
DJ Anubis here, and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and KG related, then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course everyone's favorite comic breeding lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaborations with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw and real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y Sci-Fi Century Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla related information Peace
everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer. Hate Beak and Zell R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. DJ Nubis and DJ Neko back with you getting ready to jump into our rock block this week we got some aura coming from Angels PR the mystery dudes from Kobar PR Umbilicus <laughs> Infecting Cells PR Diamond Skull coming from the Metalist PR brand new stuff from Gwar as well nice and of course Neko's pick of the week woohoo but speaking of which, here's that brand new war. Motherfucking liar. Nice. Burn, burn, set it on fire. One thing I hate is a motherfucking liar. Truth is undone. Like it never existed.
everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ, live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast, and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 noon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio.
Right up, right up, right. Mystery Dudes, The Mountain of Chill. I kind of dig that. Yeah, that was good stuff. Dug, digged, dug. Dug it. I dug it. I dug it. Two thumbs up. I was saying to DJ Anubis, it reminded me of Devin Townsend. Like, it really had his rock. <laughs> yeah, it had it, and it sounded great. And, like, just. I, I hate. How, how do you explain err to people? Err. It, it's really hard because. I have friends who are metal people and rock people, and I have friends who are not that. And I'll explain something like a really awesome song, and I'm like, Urgh. or it has balls, or it's heavy in the ass. Yeah, or two balls. Two balls, heavy in the ass. And my, my metal and rock friends totally get it, but my non-metal and non-rock friends, they're like, uh, what do you mean it's heavy in the ass? Uh, are you saying I have a big butt? I'm like, no, I'm not saying you have a big butt. I'm saying no, this, Beavis. this song is, is just like, oh. So that's how I felt about this last song. It was really just speaking to me. I, I'm dumb. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to crawl into a hole now. I, who is the name of the band? And what is the song again? It's called, the band's called Mystery Dudes. The song is called Mountain of Chill. Alright, so I'm going to message Mystery Dudes, which could be a penis on Facebook, because that is such a weird name, and it is a ominous name. But I'm, I'm messaging Mystery Dudes and telling them how much I love that song. Alright, so this week... I am I'm very happy with my pick of the week. My pick of the week represents me in high school, I feel. Like I I I was a dancer in high school. I went to a performing arts and visual arts school. I did photography and I did dance and I was kind of like this weird in-between girl because I never really fit in anywhere. I tried to hang out with the cheerleaders. I tried to hang out with the jocks. I tried to hang out with the dance people and I was kind of always like really pegged. Like I was just, it was, I was narrow casted. And this album came out in 1996 but it didn't get a lot of notoriety until 1998 and I really remember it from 1998 because of everything going on and everyone loved this album if you were a jock if you were an artsy fartsy person if you were me the weirdo if if you were just like a random student everybody just you just gravitated I I if you would have asked anyone in my graduating class if they had this album in their in their house everyone would have said yes so the the album I'm speaking of is title and it's by Fiona Apple and it's her 
first album and she was only 19. So that, that makes it even more impactful. So on this, DJ Anubis, his favorite song by Fiona Apple is also on title and it's Sleep to Dream. And that's not what I picked. I actually think the one you picked was actually the first single off the record. It might have been. If I remember correctly, yeah. I thought it was Shadow Boxer was the first single off the record, but... I don't remember. I mean, this is 1990, we're 150, so, like, it's been so long. But this album was so impactful for a couple of years because it came out in 96 and I graduated in 98. So when I started thinking of some songs, again, meant something to me, but I also was thinking of the meaning and influence on rock and metal in general. I thought to myself, what, again, what would I feel that this artist would pick as their most influential song? And for me, it was Criminal by Fiona Apple. And I played this song on repeat. I played this album on repeat, like nonstop. I can picture me 1996 to 1998 listening to this as I'm driving around in my powder blue Dodge Omni. I got so excited that my dad bought me a CD player for my car. It just feels like high school. Now, granted, I don't want to go back to high school, <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed the musical influences I had in high school. I mean, totally enjoyed all the alternative rock, all the pre-post-rock, I, I hate calling it that, but like the pre-post-rock, all the like alternative metal and new metal that I heard in high school really kind of shaped me as an adult. So for this week, I chose Criminal by Fiona Apple and you decide. It's off her it's off her debut album title. I feel criminal represents Fiona Apple to a T. DJ Anubis feels like Sleep to Dream represents Fiona Apple. Other people in the universe feel Shadow Boxer represents Fiona Apple. So I want to hear the one-third, one-third, one-third argument from anyone because I feel like that's kind of what happened with Fiona Apple is she was so creative and um, because all three of those songs are very different. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. Yeah, very well, she different. was very versatile as an artist. So. And people who love Criminal are not gonna I'm smooth criminal <laughs> whether you know people who love the song criminal are not gonna be like shadow boxers it, it is a one-third 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 
between those three songs and that was her breakout and she did it amazingly so without further ado please listen to my favorite fiona apple song criminal attention please be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before We will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow, and we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven. DJ Neko's pick of the week.
Listening to the hordes of chaos only on Metal Tavern Radio. Pump it. <laughs> on repeat for every week. Ah, uh, that was Aura, the Reverend, closing it out. That sounds a lot like Queensryche to me in some of that, so that was kind of cool in that song. Anywho, Anywho. next topic up is one that Neko found, actually, wow, a couple weeks ago, I think, but we just haven't gotten around to talking about it, but 
not anything new when it comes to entertainment well, and it comes to the world. Yeah. Like all right. Gatekeeping. Let's let's just elitist. say you're playing Pokemon and you're really happy you're playing Pokemon and you have your Pokemon deck and oh, somebody comes up to you and takes your deck and throws it on the ground and is like, bitch, what Pokemon do you know about except for Pikachu? The reason I bring this up, and I know that sounds kind of stupid and extreme, is Loudwire published this article, I think, about 14 days ago about metal gatekeeping. And... I never really realized it because DJ Anubis and I, all of our friends are just kind of cool. And if, if I would, let's just say I'm wearing my Cannibal Corpse t-shirt and then my friend. Man, four songs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, but our friends. <laughs> that actually came up in the article. Our friends don't do that. Our friends are like, oh my God, I love your Cannibal Corpse t-shirt. And I'll be like, oh my God, I love your obituary t-shirt. And our friends recognize metal, rock, pop. I could wear a Michael Jackson t-shirt to a, a metal concert and our friends would be like, Smooth Criminal, Thriller, oh, great albums. But what we're finding now in the modern era is people are getting really snobby about their metal. And metal has always been, like, the alternative lifestyle, right? Isn't that? I mean, even you, me and you, 80s, you, 90s, me, we always felt that. We were always kind of like, we love metal, we love alternative, we love, you know, punk and thrash and et cetera, et cetera. And everybody else is like, oh, I love club music. We have always kind of been around that where this is this will go good with this Fugazi. I know zero songs from Fugazi. I had a couple tapes that I never listened to at one point. <laughs> but Fugazi, when I was in the nineties, everybody would wear this shirt that says this is not a Fugazi shirt. And I'm like, I don't know Fugazi. And they were like, you don't know. That is gatekeeping. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this article that you brought up to my attention, like, it touches, uh, touches on a lot of the points that you just made and a lot of points that we're going to get to. But I took issue with a couple things, mm -hmm. and they're kind of minor. But, uh, for instance, one thing they bring up is about when... Back in the 80s, uh, when Lars Ulrich threw darts at Kip Winger's photo in a Metallica's live shit, Binge and Perch, it was a picture of Kip Winger and Lars was chucking mm -hmm. uh, darts at it. Uh, and th th they said here the message was clear, you're either with us or against us. That's not entirely true. And I'm going to say this because Neko and I have watched plenty of documentaries about 80s metal scene from thrash to hard rock to death metal to whatever. And it's not a secret that during that time, the scenes themselves were at war. Like, they didn't... It wasn't like there was all this all-out fighting, but we talk about it all the time how Metallica was in the L.A. scene. They're like, you know, we don't really want to play down here because it's nothing but the glam rock mm -hmm. stuff. 
So they are all going up to uh, San Francisco to play with the thrash bands up there because it was more their scene. We talked about L7 going to Seattle. Uh, so, yeah, there was thrash, and even in the late 80s and early 90s when death became a thing, they were mocking a lot of the glam stuff. I mean, Beavis and Butthead did it. But it's not necessarily about them saying you're with us or against us. It's just it's personal taste. So, again, another point they try to make is about, oh, uh, if you don't like a band after a certain album that you're just, you're gatekeeping, like, that's not true either. Like, if I say to you, uh, I love Metallica up until Injustice for All, everything after that is pretty much rock music to me, that's just an opinion. That's not me saying, oh, you can't like what they're doing. It's just me saying that I don't prefer to listen to anything post-Injustice for All because that's more my speed. Uh, but what this article also is saying is there is a, a, a minor, minority that are kind of like being assholes. Oh yeah, 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 and that's and that we get that we see that uh, even in, in blackmail is notorious mm-hmm. for that shit. Uh, especially what with, do you know about X Y Z? Like, well, we saw it with Merker, and it's that woman who uh, I can't remember her name, unfortunately. She used to do like this pop band, and but she was really much into the black metal scene. So she made her own. She became a solo artist doing Merker, and she gained like a lot of attention. She's really actually really good with what she's doing. But she adds different elements into her black metal that isn't sitting right with the mm-hmm. traditional black metal elitist, the gatekeepers who are like that's not black metal. It's like you run into that with Demu though, right? Because they started out very black metal, but then they got symphonic, and then the elitists are like, "Oh no!" And then that's where I was like, loving Demu. I'm right. like, "Oh my god, they're they're so creative." And what was the name of that album? Um, Which one? Enthroned Darkness Triumphant or uh, Death Cult Armageddon? Death Cult Armageddon. Yeah, that one turned me into Demu. And everybody else is like, you know, Demu is an original black metal album. Demu Demu is black. uh, Etc. And for me, I heard some older Demu and I I, I said to DJ Anubis, like, I really didn't like it. Sorry. (laughs) And and, and, and the one song I said I didn't like, you were really shocked because you're like, this is one of their, like, top songs and I'm like I didn't like it but the death called Armageddon shit when it it got like some hype to it I was these are the great apocalypse yes I I was just like how creative are they and I feel like as fans a lot of people are not willing to be like how creative are they I mean but here's a point. Uh, me, me. If you want to get creative and I hear it and I'm like, that's beautiful. But there are fans who are like, they're straying away. Right. Yeah. But like, going back to the Cannibal Corpse, like she's wearing a Cannibal Corpse mm-hmm. shirt right now. We've seen Cannibal Corpse a couple times in concert, probably two or three times. Mm-hmm. Very good. We enjoy them. I own material from them. I like them. I can only tell you right now one song that I know off the top of my head, and that's Hammer Smash Face. Mm-hmm. That's like their most popular mm-hmm. one from Ace Ventura and everything. Uh, that does not mean I don't know what I'm fucking talking about. It means I like Cannibal Course, but not enough to tell you that I spend 
hours upon hours listening to it. Same with her. We all have bands that we know. I can go back to the 80s and give you tons of Metallica or Megadeth songs that I like. And one reason for a lot of that is in the 80s, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have... Uh, my, my catalog of stuff that I listened to was very small because that's all I knew. Like, I didn't really have the money as a teen to go and buy all the CDs. It was really the 90s where I started to explore a lot of that and became familiar with other bands. Uh, probably the same with, like, grunge. Like, there's only a handful of bands. Like, I could sit there and say, okay, uh, Nirvana, Nine Inch Nails, and Pearl Jam. I can give you songs off those early albums. I couldn't tell you anything after that. Uh, Devin, I can tell you uh, tons of songs I love by him. Or... It's all about who you listen to the most. There are tons of death metal bands, thrash bands that I listen to that right off the top of my head I could not tell you a song. But I have tons of shit on my phone because I know that's part of my problem. Like, if I were to sit there and say, okay, I want to go on to the gym or play racquetball listening to this, uh, what songs do I want to hear? Well, I don't want to do that. I just want to pile songs on my, my phone. So as I'm working or going to play racquetball i can sit there and say okay i'm getting more and more familiar with this song uh people take offense to that sometimes because they're like well why don't you 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 say you listen to them and you play them dude you don't understand i listen to like 20 or 30 albums every single week and i discover new bands that i like you know might not might might not might not be my favorite of the year but they may have like five to seven songs i really like and i will say okay i'm gonna throw these on my phone because i really dig these but down the road, if, if I'm going to sit there and say, can I name them all? No, you're asking me to name thousands of songs. And sometimes from bands that like I like, but I just don't get, they're not my favorite. I like Cannibal Corpse. They're not my favorite. If I'm going death metal, give me a bitch away or a Nocturnus or a Morbid Angel. Anything else that I'm more comfortable with in that, in that terms. Like, so people who gatekeep that kind of shit are stupid. It just don't. I think this article really was trying to shine a light on, like, the metal world is kind of already the alternative world. So, inside your alternative, like, you know, black sheep world, why would you all, why would you say to somebody, like, hey, you're wearing a Nocturnus t-shirt name three albums from them and you're like i just i i really like the band i saw them a couple of years ago that that's what kind of blows me away because between you and i i mean we're older than most people going to concerts now and i mean the shirt i'm wearing in particular it looks like a soccer slash football you know soccer football shirt we purchased it in 2016 and it was my bloody valentine remember that and i was like i have to have this shirt it's a red it's got the ringers it looks like a oh a jersey almost. yeah so a lot of times for me if i can't name a song by the band it's not always because i don't appreciate the band it's because I watched the band and they were phenomenal and then I'm like 
a good example is I know Neko likes Black Crown Initiative, like, but she doesn't always remember the song. So no, like, I don't, and I'm like, and I hum like, the songs right. to him. So it, you know, again, it, she's legit. She's a legit metal fan. There should be no questioning that. And going back to my time as a teen in the '80s, like I dealt with a lot of the gatekeeping because I started out listening to Van Halen, Rat, Molly Crew. I really love those bands, even now. But even in my late teens, when I was starting to kind of get familiar with some of the heavier stuff, some of those guys were like, oh, wait, so you like death, but then you're wearing a rat shirt? Like, and, and you like Van Halen? Yeah. Uh. So I think at that point, I was kind of like, I learned very early on that, like, the gatekeeping just was kind of stupid to me. So early when it came down to it, uh, by the time 90s came around, I remember specifically hanging with some very because in Maryland there's not a lot of metalheads in terms of where I was locally in Arnold where I was initially at uh, I did find a couple that were into the heavier stuff like I was so we were in my house at the time with my parents and like I was in my room and the guy was checking out my tapes at the time and I had them strung up like I the bed with the dash you know the board, yeah, headboard yeah, yeah. And he's going through and he's like, okay, we got Obituary, Nocturnus, wait, what? Prince, Purple Rain, what? And I'm like, yes, but dude. But Prince is a beautiful musician. Well, and that's, I, the, and that's the thing I discovered now. Like, this article holds a lot of truth, but there's also a lot of people out there, a lot of bands, artists, and whoever, they actually have diverse musical tastes. You'd be surprised, and we talked about it when we did the whole thing with the flock of seagulls thing was fear factory influenced easily by guys like gary newman and that's not metal dude i mean gary's doing dark wave stuff now compared to what he used to do with the pop stuff but that's not metal and so i kind of learned in early 2000 also when uh i went with john from nomos mm -hmm. at the time he wasn't in that band at the time but we went up to pennsylvania for the tattoo to earth festival and Sepultura was playing there. This was after, you know, post-Max and everything. But uh, the headlines were Slayer and Slipknot. And that particular night, they were alternating. That particular night, Slayer was opening, basically, undercarding for mm -hmm. Slipknot. And so, really, I was kind of like, well, I've seen Slipknot. I'm not the biggest fan. I'm just going to go wait in the van while you guys... And most of us went to the van. We were just kind of like, we were done after Slayer. It's like, who's going to follow that up? You know, Slipknot was a big band. still is. I think Lurch, who isn't with us anymore, God bless him, but uh, he was the one that kind of stayed behind because he liked Slipknot. But, again, that's where I learned when I was reading about these guys when it started to come out on in the internet and stuff that like Slayer really likes Slipknot's music. So, mm -hmm. you go over to the festivals over in Europe and you see their, their cards all the time, their posters, and you're like, look at all the various bands I've got. And you can have... Breaking Benjamin playing one night and then Emperor playing the next. And, you know, I don't know how it is with their fans out there, like, in terms of, like, how much shit gets talked. But for the most part, it doesn't seem like people give a shit. They just kind of like, okay, I'm not going to watch this band. Let's go Super Pop. Justin Bieber and Lady Gaga. Both wearing metal t-shirts. Slayer, Metallica, Judas Priest... And Baby um, metal. yeah, so Justin Bieber. <laughs> I throw her off. <laughs> with Justin Bieber, he went to 
a concert and he painted his face in the whole death metal quartz like, paint yeah and nobody knew it was, i forgot what i it had to be like obituary or, or cannibal corpse or somebody and he painted his face and nobody knew it was him justin bieber who sang baby 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 ooh enjoys metal and it, it's okay that he enjoys metal like you can't be an asshole you can't just be like, okay, so um, you'd like Justin Bieber, you're not allowed to enjoy metal. I thought that metal was for the people. <laughs> like, I, that's one thing that drew me into metal in the 90s. Um, you, you and I are 11 years apart, so like, you had the 80s, I have the 90s. And in the 90s, that's when the cross-collaboration really started. So people who were listening to club mixes and rap and stuff with new metal, it, it really started happening. How can you be like, okay, so uh, you're listening to Run DMC, but I'm listening to Ride the Lightning. Oh my God. It... it me, high school, 1990s DJ Neko, we didn't look at it like that. We looked at everything as an amazing collaboration. I remember when um, Limp Biscuit and Method Man collaborated. Yeah. yeah. And super secret because the internet was not what it is now and when it came out we all I have no words for what happened when we listened to it and that needs to speak to metal and rap that new metal and rap can put something together that would, I mean, I think you only... I mean, Aerosmith and Run DMC did walk this way, and and you had Method Man and Limbiscuit, yeah. Enemy, you know. So, I I really hate when you have these metal elitists or like you can't mix, you can't do something creative because, for me, I'm like be creative like really be creative i love hearing but devin the shit he does is not always metal but it's creative right well i mean bands have always dabbled in this stuff i mean again we saw it throughout the 90s when when alternative i think slayer had done something with ice tea mm -hmm. uh a had done something with some group uh at the end of the world of demise um belituary was a rap death thing uh who was i was trying to think here um biohazard done onyx you know so there was these bands that was really good yeah. i i love that so the guy in this article has a closing thoughts and this is pretty much where we stand it's Here's a balanced old man perspective. Being a fan isn't a competitive competition and it is okay if other people don't resonate with your taste. 
the community isn't really that fragile fragile so we shouldn't treat it as such and that's what i agree with like at this stage it's 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 fine if we disagree about what we like as as far as like personal taste but walking up to people and saying hey name me four albums from this band is kind of stupid that's it not, really is yeah because you're at a metal festival they're there for a reason and like even if i sat there and said well I know who this band is, like looking at t-shirts. I know who this band is. I don't care about their music, but I love that shirt. I'm going to get that fucking shirt. So it, it's not always about whether or not I can name you records or say that I, they're my favorite band. It says, I, for me personally, I like, I'm kind of like, I'm not really hard. Like, so, so like the Kardashians, when they're wearing a Slayer shirt, I don't really believe they like Slayer, but if they like the shirt and it gives the band pub, I don't give a fuck. It's good news in my fa- in my, my my opinion. So I'm not going to go walk up to the Kardashian and say, you know, name me four albums for this band. You know, it's, it's stupid. I, I think, okay. In fact, I'm not even into Justin Bieber's music, but I would totally walk up to him and say, look, man, let's talk some metal. I'd be curious. And he would be like, I would like to because apparently Justin Bieber is like a closet metal fan. Right. So but, is Lady Gaga. She likes Maiden. People took that as like a slight. I'm like, no way, dude. She does her thing. She knows what her niche is. But if personally, if she likes heavy metal and rock music, that's great. I don't find anything wrong with that. For us, now that we're getting older, I feel like... I don't know what we're called. Millennials, Gen Xers, Gen Xers, or whatever. So we kind of put it out there, like we'll we'll be like, oh yeah, we're going to a concert, or and for us, we're like excited when somebody is telling us, I bought a T-shirt. I got a new um, fucking poster. I have a tape. You need to hear this. It's a it's a bootleg tape. That's us right now because we're old. The younger people now, I feel like they get a lot of pressure from external sources that are telling them that it's I don't want to say it's not okay but like they're they're getting the like the TikTok and you can't like something that's a little bit weird but you can like the weird alternative stuff so metal this kind of like goes back full circle metal has always been like the weird alternative stuff but mm-hmm. we're not acceptable in some, you know, circles. Yeah, yeah, some families or whatever. I I have always been just. I don't know how I I, I mean my mom loved Ozzy Osbourne, but this is back in the seventies. Like I don't know how I got into metal the way I did, and I'm happy I did because the metal people are fucking amazing 
our friends and the people we've met over you and I have known each other for 20 years so the people that you have introduced me to or the people that we have met over the last 20 years they're amazing people and that's what we need to focus on so if the world would just focus on the amazingness we would have a sunshine and a rainbow and all that bullshit. Like, I don't even know how to put that. You, you and I argue over nothing. But we love metal. Yep. Metal can make everything better. With metal sunshine makes the and, world work. Right? Sunshine and rainbows. How is it that, like, people who have alternative views on things still adore metal especially Judas Priest because of Judas Priest like alright well let's get yeah, back yeah, into, let's get the, back metal into the, the metal because I'm having like a, a what do you call this like a, a, I don't know she can't even speak anymore I can't I can't so we got the Black Order in here is new stuff from White Ward uh, also, brand new Sulk You from Nuno. Sulk You! Nuno! Sulk You! We got it right! I got Sulk it right you. this time. I keep saying I keep saying Soliqué, but Sulk it's Sulk You! That's like the wine version. That, that is the wine version. Sulk You! Nuno Sulk You! From the new album Pariah. This is called The Mordant Fascination of a Murder. Mm. Love this shit.
Satan prophet and all of the blessing. To destroy our precious heritage, to turn it into Japanese paper, paper packages, is verging on the bottom. A way of life which has brought affluence in this century to a third of humanity now threatens the demise of all. Too many people demanding too much, destroy the earth and trying to get what they want.
This is the Retro Movie Vault with your hosts DJ Anubis and DJ Neko only on Metal Tavern Radio. You haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these. Well, what about these two? Well, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I appreciate your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. Do you remember how we used to get the Raptors in the truck? Yeah. Yeah. You're up. No. That's the last minute dive roll. I don't dive roll. You'll be fine. I never got the timing right. Now? Any minute. Any minute now. Now. No. come out all this way just to catch up now, did you? You coming or what? We're racing toward the extinction of our species. We not only lack dominion over nature, we're subordinate to it. To the music a little too soon there. Anywho, 
Uh, that was a little bit of uh, reminiscing and, of course, the trailer for Jurassic World Dominion, which uh, we went to see last, last week. Saturday. Yeah, last Saturday. But we were also at uh, her mom's house for a Jurassic my, my party. Mommy, my mommy wanted to have a Jurassic party. So basically what we were doing was we weren't watching the entire series, but we watched the first movie before going to the theaters to see uh, Dominion. And uh, so we're going to kind of use the Jurassic Park, the original one, as our retro pick, even though it's together. And uh, so the best part was Dotson. Dotson. We have a Dotson here. Dotson. So Dotson's been in every fucking Jurassic Park. Has he? Yes. He just shows up and he's like a guy. Are you sure? Yeah. Your pilot's been in every one of them? I don't think so. I think he's only in the first one. In fact, I'm almost positive he's only in the first one. Plus the last one. Okay. Because I think he was just some rando who was trying to get the DNA from... The embryos? Yeah, from the original, who was uh, the guy who played the fat dude in um, Seinfeld, the mailman. Newman? Newman, thank you. Even though that wasn't his name in the first Jurassic Park. But, uh, which was funny because the first Jurassic Park, you know, you have him and then you have uh, a young Samuel L. Jackson before he blew up with Pulp Fiction in that film uh, playing a small role. So obviously the movie is, or the series is basically about creating dinosaurs from DNA that's stored in mosquitoes from the Jurassic era. Are you really that lit up? No, I'm listening to you. <laughs> okay, because you're kind of like fading out on me. <laughs> but, uh... Sh should I, like, throw some... No, no, you're good. Just okay. go to sleep, Derek. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, for those that, I mean, if you haven't seen any of them by now, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you're going to get... They started in 1991? Three. 93. And so... I, I think it was earlier than 93. Okay. 93. I'm pretty sure. So... Uh, over the course of, it was basically, we have two trilogies. So you have the first trilogy, which was Jurassic Park, Lost World, and then Jurassic Park 3. And the main characters throughout that series was um, <coughs> Sam Neill, uh, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum. So they're like your trifecta from the first film, and then they kind of scattered, I think, Sam Neill and Dern weren't in Lost World, but they were. Well, they weren't. Sam Neill was in the third one. Dern didn't return until this one, uh, which is the part of the second trilogy. But uh, Goldblum was in the first two. Uh, in Lost World, a lot of people hate that one. I really like that one a lot because Goldblum, I think, has got a great sense of humor, which he had in Independence Day. Is that the Day second? Too. Lost World, yeah. Now, in the new trilogy, you had. Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and now Jurassic World Dominion. And we have a whole kind of new cast in the first two films. So you've got uh, Bryce Dallas Jones, or Bryce Dallas Howard, 
Uh, Chris Pratt, of course. Um, we even saw Vincent D'Onofrio in the first uh, Jurassic World film playing an antagonist, which he usually likes doing. Uh, so in the new trilogy, basically, they've taken everything and now made they actually made everything what John Hammond, who was the original creator of the park, was supposed to do. So they've actually succeeded now. They have people coming to this island. It's a big uh, park, a zoo-like atmosphere. You can even drive around these little globes uh, among some of the dinosaurs. Now, obviously, they've got you <laughs> cruising through safer part of the parks. Um, they have, like, what's this called, like this? It's almost like the whole, like, Shamu thing. They've got the water people around in the... Uh, the ring there and this big ass I can't I don't remember the name of the dinosaur it's a it's certainly a sea creature that comes up and eats a shark um, as food so they, they've got things that they kind of resemble like your usual zoos or sea worlds and stuff like that so it's got that vibe now uh, behind the scenes of course they they can't help themselves they're continuing to create their own creatures I've got Chris Pratt who's learned how to communicate with the raptors as pack so he's now like somehow able to put his hand out and say i'm the master and he controls everything that goes on with the raptors but d'onofrio's d'onofrio's character wants to kind of use these raptors for uh military that was the second one that was the first one uh the the fallen world is when well let's not skip too far ahead that the first jurassic world had the um, Adominus Rex. Yes. And uh, it gets loose, of course, as we said. Uh, so the thing about the Adominus Rex was it was a cross between a T-Rex and a Raptor. So obviously when they went to go chase it down with the Raptor pack with Pratt, it, it has a problem because the Adominus Rex becomes the Alpha. <laughs> so everything starts turning around on the guys trying to c contain this thing. Plus... The Adonis Rex somehow has, like, very uh, high intelligence, so it dug out its own tracker and all sorts of shit when it got out. Uh, it's a very mean creature. Well, it was a, um... <sighs> spliced. Right. Yeah, it was a spliced creature. It, it, was, it wasn't, like, a regular dinosaur. Right, and that's what I was talking about. They, they want to keep trying to create things, mm -hmm. and so... Uh, but we saw at the end of that one where one particular raptor, which becomes a, a prominent figure throughout all the, the second trilogy, is a raptor called Blue, which Chris Pratt's character has a close relationship with. It's a very friendly, I mean, it will kill you, but I mean... It's, yeah, he'll still kill you. Right, it's, it's, but it's smart enough to recognize that it's, especially in the first film of the trilogy, is that... Uh, it understands finally that the Rex, Adamus Rex, is like a bad thing for all of them, even dinosaurs alike, because it was killing for sport. It was killing things not without even eating them, like, didn't matter what the race was. But there's this nice thing at the end of the first film where you've got the T Rex showing up as well as Blue, and they're fighting off this Adamus uh, Rex creature. Uh, I'm not going to give you totally away how it dies, but. But this was four years ago. Right. Fallen Kingdom. Um. I'm trying to remember exactly. This is the one where uh, this guy, rich, another rich guy, um, 
gets a hold of some of the creatures. He's actually taking them from the island from where they were, bringing them across to America. Keeping them secret. And he was selling some off in auctions. And all the while, we, I can't remember the Asian guy's name, but he's a doctor throughout the entire city. Since 93. Right. He is the one that's continuing to crossbreed and make these things. And so they make the uh, Indoraptor. I forget who how they mixed him with, but that was a little bit of a more slicker-looking raptor, which is larger. Uh, but again, it gets loose, and hell gets created, and... But again, Blue is a part of this, uh, trying to defeat it. Uh, Pratt and Bryce Dallas, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character continue to fight against it. We also discover, I can't remember her name because she's in the new one, the young girl who's a clone. Uh, so, uh, basically, they get out of that situation. And, um, anyway, uh, so now Dominion, we're, we're following that up where basically Blue is in hiding and has something we discovered through Jurassic Park is even though all the dinosaurs were female, uh, they were able, because their DNA was spliced with like amphibians and frogs and stuff, they were able to become unisex. So basically over time they could actually just lay eggs themselves. They didn't need a, a male partner to do so. Um, so in Dominion, Chris Pratt's character, as well as Bryce Dallas Howard and this young girl who they took at, at the end of the Fallen Kingdom, was they're living out in the outskirts in the forest and stuff like that, cabin, and whatnot. And uh, Blue the Raptor is like out, you know, near them, not living with them, but out near them within the forest and actually had a baby of its own. Now, I don't know why it's down to just one little baby with them, I, so I'm not sure what, whether the other ones couldn't survive or what happened, but um, the interesting thing about now, too, with Dominion is the dinosaurs that were brought over to uh, America in the second film, uh, they've started to infiltrate America like and the globe because they can reproduce and they can become... Uh, a part of American life, so like even like there's like a, kind of like a scene where what what's the uh, the show with the uh, the people on the boats that hunt crabs? Oh, uh, uh, deadliest catch! Yeah, so there's there's like a little scene there where these guys are pulling up their crab cage and you know that sea monster. They're pulling up fucking like crustaceous age crabs. Right, so we're sharing the planet with these dinosaurs now. Some of them are not really mixed in with everybody like I don't know there's no fences or anything but they're just not quite I mean I I feel like because we've had so many Jurassic Park stories we have to accept that dinosaurs are around and for this particular um sorry I'm scooting up getting close to the mic sorry guys um for this particular movie um they really were trying to show that um as a society quote unquote that they were being um sympathetic to the dinosaurs 
including the T-Rex. And uh, they were trying to corral them into the mountains in Italy. Yeah, like, you know, one thing I was going to get to is that because... Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's all right. Uh, they have... Uh, the dinosaurs have adapted even more. Like, now they can survive in winter. So, something that they were, you know, in history is the dinosaurs were tropical and could not survive beyond the Ice Age. So, But now, they're able to actually survive in cold winters and stuff, which blew when they're up there with Pratt and... Uh, yeah, Pratt. they were, like, up in Canada. Yeah, so... They've adapted to the new world they're in, but there's now again uh, Dotson, who we've now talked about from the first film. He's got a lot of money. He's building his own. It's not. It's more like a sanctuary he's trying to build. Uh, so he's going around collecting dinosaurs. But it's funny because between what he's doing, I think he's trying to collect money. That too. Uh, but then you have like this black market where people are selling dinosaurs, and that becomes another thing that they have to deal with. But who who directed this last one? Uh, I can't remember honestly. But the Dodson, the guy that plays Dodson, he wants to not only get a hold of Blue, but uh, the young girl because their DNA uh, is something that will. What was it they were trying to do? make them live longer or something or correct no, their DNA. To, That's right. To, to just observe. Well, but there was a correct because uh, uh, something about the DNA initially like the dinosaurs wouldn't live long enough. And so he because she was representing the cloned at work because her mother corrected the DNA. Her code. mother cloned herself mm-hmm. in an embryo carried her to term loved her you know it's her baby but the asian guy i don't know what his name is in the movie it's bd wong yeah i i i don't know what his name is but he has been with jurassic park since the beginning and he kind of kind of like told her this is what's happening and blah 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 yeah he's one of those enigmas as a character because you you think well god this guy's not learning he keeps continuing to dabble with splicing dna's but then at the same time he has a, a, a a conscience like he's really trying to fix something but i think he gets misguided because of the people that he works for they want well like he would reasons. in this particular movie there were some crazy locusts. Yeah, that's right. They created the locusts because they, this is where the greed comes in. Dotson wanted the corner of the market of um, crops. They had crops that were actually specifically made by Bio Biosun. Is that the name of Biosun? Was his company? And they they were like, okay, if you have our seeds. They won't be eaten by the locusts, but if not, you'll be eaten by the locusts, and that was the the big uh, the big bad. Yeah, because the locusts weren't dying like they were supposed to; they were still living and expanding and destroying almost all, everything. So it, that's what Colin Trevorrow. Yeah, is that the character name or actor name? That's the director. Of, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, 
So the, the locust is what starts the investigation into from Pratt and Dallas Howard, and then also we now have uh, Sam Neill's character and uh, Laura Dern's character reuniting to again join this team to go figure it out from this facility that Dodson owns now. For other reasons, Jeff Goldblum's character is there. He's just basically... He already spoke at Congress about how the dinosaurs should have died off, but now he's kind of like just informing people, like, you know, look, you know, this, these are the problems. This is why this is not a great idea, but since we're now sharing the planet with dinosaurs, this is the way we've got to kind of handle this. So he was kind of like a guest speaker here, and he ends up getting caught up in all this stuff again with everyone else. But he realizes what's going on. Right. He has a secret in uh, in terms of the knowledge behind the locust so he's trying to now get Dr. Grant and Laura Dern's character involved to expose this. Expose Dotson. And uh, Dotson of course trying to protect his brand, his, his dinosaurs and his money uh, doesn't want it to get out so he's going to go through great lengths to make sure that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. So between that and kidnapping Blue and the girl, uh, again, you have just this mishmash of stuff. But we have now both trilogies coming together with their characters uh, trying to rescue both. Now, Blue wasn't kidnapped, but it was the, the young one, the young raptor that was taken. Uh, so, of course, there's this moment where Chris Pratt's character is like, Blue's angry. You know, It's a raptor. It's angry that its baby was taken. So... It kind of didn't trust Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt's like, I'm going to go get it, you know, your baby or whatever. But Blue is a dinosaur. She's not going to totally understand everything. So she's like, I'm really fucking pissed. Get your hand away from me. I'm going to bite right. that shit off. Uh, but there was a lot of sentimental moments in this film, both with that and uh, just the characters in general, like, coming together. And it was a lot of fun. I, like... Some people really had a big problem with this film. I didn't. I thought it was pretty entertaining. Uh, I saw Roger Ebert's column. He did an article. He only gave it like two out of four stars. I, you know, I think you and I thought it was about a seven or so, which seven out of ten, which is what we usually rate it. But uh, yeah, uh, the only gripe I would say I have, and it's not really a really huge gripe. Again, we have. It wasn't really a, a spliced dinosaur, but the Gigantosaurus or whatever they called it was one of their meanest predators that they had and uh the ending battle was similar to what we saw in the uh jurassic world the first one so i, I was kind of like well we've kind of seen this angle before I, I thought it changed at one point with the rex but and it's it's really hard with um having steven spielberg be on the og jurassic park that you're anyone who comes after that they're kind of like oh my god how do you follow that yeah, yeah. but the effects were good mm -hmm. um you know we often talk about cgi versus special effects and both were used good you know no problems there with that characters were a lot of fun uh i'm pretty sure this will be the final film of that trilogy i don't know what they'll do from here on out but i think if they're going to end it that's a good way to do it um yeah, I just, I thought it was good. I mean, I liked the, uh, initially going in, I had heard rumors that Blue was going to die, and that's why he had the baby one, but I'm glad yeah, that didn't. I know that's a spoiler, I, yeah, but. Yeah, I know. 
<laughs> All right. Well, let's get ready to close this motherfucker out. We got some more music coming your way. I uh, got some Exhonorable, Soul Mass, Parallel Minds, and then here's some Carnation, Stench of Death.
salute you people of the underworld. I'm Nick from the Greek heavy metal band Accelerator. And I want you to rock hard with the Metal Tavern Show. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and I hope you hurt your ears listening to a hot brand new album. Hell yeah!
right. Getting ready to close out this edition of the Hordes of Chaos. I think uh, Neko is uh, out for the count. <laughs> She's called it a night. But we want to thank you all for tuning in and checking out the show again. Definitely uh, all the support you give us. We appreciate it very much. And uh, we'll see you next time. Here's some uh, last track for you from Citizen Rage for Worse or Better. See you all next time.